tell you why. Um, you know, there you get the feeling when you have had your meals, and people are still struggling in the line to get their food, and you are fed and satisfied and have no energy to help them. That's how I feel tonight. I believe God has marvelously, wonderfully, powerfully spoken through the ministry of our sister Newell, through the duet between um, Brother Smith and Sister Flo, through the singing men, through our sojourning with God in those hymns. And, and somehow, somehow I am filled to overflowing. I, I, and, and, and I wish that that is true. My heart lived in that heritage. Because just, just a few minutes ago, I, I, I saw my father in that quartet in Savannah Lamar. You know? Brother Hey, Brother Vaughn, Brother Vassal, Brother Davidson. And I saw, I saw them, and, and I saw him with his eyes closed, that head up to ever, with, with the baritone, coming across, coming across, you know. Six years old that time, but, but the, the heritage of hymns in, in my soul had made the difference. You know, the, 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 the settings that God play, allows us in really makes us a, a tremendous Different, And I wanted to begin this evening by challenging us, really challenging us, to understand that the church did something marvelous. The church of God did something marvelous by writing its essential doctrines and message in song, that it can be sung. That long before you knew the essence of it, it has come home to your heart. You know, and, and we have sung the, the whole theology this evening. We sung it. And, and so I could end up just asking you to sing, let the spirit do the planning, point, you, point the way your feet shall go. Greater than thine own is wisdom. He the will of God does know. No. Better, wiser than thy choosing is the way that he will show. He wants his way in you. Because this is the total essence of these two portions of scripture. The one read earlier one so effectively by our sister Duncan. And the chapter 8 that was read last night. And I wanted to put alongside those two passages and to identify just some personalities as I share a thought with you about what it means to listen to the Spirit. And so, in completing that challenge to you, don't do away with the hymns. You, 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 you can... Augment. You can do much with the music if you want to. But don't get rid of the hymns. The statement of who we are. And what we believe. And why we believe. 
there's a little thing, you know, and, 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 and I know the time is limited. There's a little thing about words and music and the kind of music and the kind of language we speak that determines what our society is, you know. When there is the kind of harmony that comes out of this kind of music, things operate differently. Some years ago, I visited my aunt in, 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 in Washington. She lives in Maryland. And I, and, and, and I had a responsibility to go to the Walter Reed Memorial Hospital. And I was told a story by one of the guards who was there. I went into the hospital and there were 80 soldiers sitting down quietly waiting to be served. And it disturbed me. Because it, it, it didn't look like anything I knew. And I wondered why they were there waiting so long. I stood there half an hour and only one person was served. And when I looked, the guard took me aside and said, there's a story to that. He said, a year ago, we used to play a certain kind of music there. And we had two fights every 23 minutes. And he says, what we did is put some background music much of it classical, just out of the range of the air. And voila, 80 men sit down and wait patiently to be served. Music has power, just like language. And when we disconnect by the kind of disjointed messages with music, we carried this on to our lives and our relationship and it becomes disconnected and disjointed just like the music but when it files a harmony and it doesn't have to be somebody's all be slow and boring but it can be effective in calming that part of my brain that sends the message that all is well and I can wait my turn there is something about that. But let's go to this passage. There's a Philip in Samaria that we need to follow for just a moment. Chapter 8 of Acts of the Apostles. Now an angel of the Lord, and I'm reading at verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south on the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home, sitting on his chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot. And stay near it. I wanted just to make an observation. As I share very briefly this thing about listening to the spirit. Here is a servant of God. Filled with his spirit. And equipped. 
And here is God sending him on a mission that really technically makes no practical sense. He's leaving civilization to go on a Gaza road 10 miles to the nearest civilization and he's moving away from it. And some of us would stop to ask God, what kind of thing is this? This is the Gaza Strip. This is desert. This is afternoon sun. And we have all kinds of, of complaints. This can't be God. He couldn't be that cruel. And he's going. And there is a gentleman on his chariot. An official in Ethiopia. Who he sees on the road and he's told connect with this man. You know, God does some things that don't apparently make any sense at all. At all. But Philip has no challenge, no issue, no problem. He's just like an Abraham. When the scripture says in that Chapter 22 of Abraham. Now after all these things. God said to Abraham. Take now your son. Your only son. The one you love. The heir. The one whom I said will produce multitudes. That if you could count the stars. Or the sands on the sea. You would get the, the exact number. He says take him now. And offer him up. And Abraham moves as if what God says makes sense. And it does. You see, if it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense. I said all of this just to say that, you know. I am not here to work it out for God. Some of us had the privilege. Of doing some portion of English history. Since I know you understand exactly where I am. Some portion of English history. And we did West Indian history. And we did Jamaican history. We did world history. English history. Right at the transitional points. Did all of them through high school. And one of those um, historical moments caused you to learn the, the poem about the charge of the light brigade. 300 cavalry men. Their general is shot through and in dying he gives the wrong order. Instead of asking them to pull back and surrender, he says, charge. And the poem sets out the setting. 
there's a square. 15 acres square. 60 cannons on one side, 60 on another. Four Gatling guns up there. And they are riding into it. Into the valley of death rode the 300. Cannons to the right of them. Cannons to the left of them. Gatlings in front of them. Theirs was not to reason why. Theirs was but to do and die. That was all. They got a command. They knew it's suicide. But that's what they were told to do. It wasn't up to them to work out the detail. Said this man can't be making any sense. Bad illustration I saw on some faces. God couldn't expect me to commit suicide. Nor could he expect Abraham to commit murder. Listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Look at a man, chapter 16 of Acts. Look at a man filled with the Holy Spirit, charged with the power of God. Look at how God snatches him from his destructive purpose, marvelously, supernaturally. God speaks to him directly and powerfully. He claims what the other apostles claim, that he has seen Jesus. But here is he in the middle of a mission. A wearing, bewildering mission. Chapter 16 of Timothy. Paul and his com companions traveled through Phrygia and Galatia. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. If you saw where they were. The most logical thing in the world, the most sensible thing in the world, is to go into an era of a great population of people. Two cities nearby. God must not know his geography very well. Here are these men doing... Here is the Apostle Paul listening to God, but not necessarily grasping why but he isn't fighting kicking wandering he does God bidding you notice something in Paul's life sometimes God closes the doors sometimes he instructs him not to go there you know the two things are exactly the same it is God's leadership In the Gospel of John, where the fundamental teaching on the work and person of the Holy Spirit and how he carries out his mission in the church is written. There is a passage over in chapter 16 that gives you the sense about who the Holy Spirit is as we talk about this business of listening to the Spirit, that he is a convictor. 
that one of his constant challenges is to bring conviction to the believer. The conviction is not only that I am wrong. The conviction in a sense it's confirmation that this is the way I am leading. This is what I am asking of you. It's not always a negative idea where his work is constant. The Holy Spirit keeps on convicting but I am not necessarily always listening. Which, which is one of the biggest challenges that there is. There are those of us who have already seen how the road lies and we know where the population centers are. And since we've been called to preach the gospel, obviously this is the place to go. And how dare anybody else tell us that it's somewhere else. And so we blunder into the setting. And when the impact is on our lives, and, and you know, I want to tell you a, a little challenge. When we fail, God still glorifies his name. It, just like results don't justify my failure to listen to him. You know that? That he, do, he brings results in spite of, not necessarily because of. Because he's God and because he's suffering. So let me leave you with four handles on which to grasp this picture. The Holy Spirit, we said, is a convictor. He keeps on convicting. And the most critical aspect of the listening is the recognition that it is his convicting work that does it. In, 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 in Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, he speaks to the Colossians in this way. If you want a sense of the leadership of the Spirit, he says, you operate with him in terms of the peace he offers you. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. When this peace is disturbed, the word is really umpire, you know. Let the peace of God determine whether you are right or wrong. When it comes to the choices and the decisions, when you are at the crossroads, when it is not obvious that it is God's hand that is preventing you, let his peace umpire. Let his peace determine you. Rule you right or wrong and go with the peace. When the peace is disturbed, something has gone wrong. You see, we have peace with God at the, 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 when, when we are justified, when we are made right with God. But at that time, we are also given the peace of God. You know, this pattern of relationship with him that doesn't change when the circumstances do, you know. The second idea that I'd like us to spend some time just acknowledging in our hearts is that the Holy Spirit came. We sang this one about the Holy Spirit who has come to my heart as an honored guest to deliver me from evil and to bring us peace of rest. And then it goes to say he has come to work within us heaven's purposes so blessed. What does heaven's purpose include? Control. That's what being filled is all about. Let the spirit keep on controlling your life. Be being controlled by the spirit of God. This is the picture 
This is the pattern. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing with, with God's healing. Help me to hear what you have to say and to be sensitive to the fact that your job is not just to turn up to offer me my fire insurance certificate. Not going to hell anymore. Going to heaven. Don't have to listen to you any further. But he's come to control. He's come to take over. But he doesn't run roughshod over my life. He lets me yield my life to him. That's the other song. Yield unto the Holy Spirit. Let him have his way in you. Be ready to obey him. He will give you victory. This is the picture. This is the picture along that way. So there is the convicting work. Then there is the intent to control. When I listen to the spirit, I am listening for his conviction. When I listen to the spirit, I am expecting his control. That I am not just determining that he says something and I have an option. That I am yielding to his leadership, his lordship over my life. And then, you know, there is this connecting work. And I want to tell you a little secret. There are those of us who are preoccupied in praying and asking God to show us our gifts. To show us, give us directions and guide us here. But you know, the Holy Spirit has a pattern in our life where we don't have to run into crisis to get answers. Where we begin to walk with him and work with him and become sensitive to his leading and let his connecting influence connect us to the body where we are and use the abilities and gifts he has placed in that body to direct our lives. You know, there, there are those persons who always come with a word that God is telling you to do this. And I, and I have had the privilege of having given, been given opposite directions in one evening. My one person who thinks that this is what God is saying. Another one who thinks that is what God is saying. And, and it almost sounds as if God has become confused. But there is a relational thing that is very personal. That when somebody comes and says, I believe this is what God says. All they will do is confirm. Because he who is in me lives there and will listen to the spirit. How do I listen to the spirit of God? Through the word. Through communion in prayer. And by the way, I can't pray without the word, the word, and prayer, the word, and prayer, the word, and prayer. So convict, control, connect, and then confirm. I wanted just to say two things about that last point before I close. There are many of us who long to see miracles. Marvelous acts of God. But we run a danger, you know. Jesus spoke strongly in that direction. And please listen very carefully. An evil and adulterous generation looks for a sign. 
There's no other sign but the sign of joy. I'm not done yet. Don't, don't leave yet. The issue here is not that God doesn't do miracles, you know. But God does not put on shows. God accomplishes purpose. If you live on the edge of evangelism, if you are preoccupied with the salvation of your community, if you are preoccupied with the transformation of that hard life, and you are talking to God and walking with Him, when you present the gospel, God will confirm it with signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are not automatic. They are on the edge of doing God's business. Every instance in Acts, every instance in the scripture where God shows up powerfully, it's when people are on business for him. Don't ask God to put on a great show in your church. Get out of the building and be on mission for him. There is something about the work of the Spirit that we cannot understand. You know, where God sends us, He provides for us. And some of our struggles are not because the brethren are mean or are poor. It's more fundamental than that. It's not where God has sent and it's not what God has ordered. And God isn't inclined if we beat down heaven doors to give us because of our much praying or much talking. And he is not going to change his mind. There is a reality, as, as I close just now, that when we come to the convicting work of the Spirit, it brings us to a place of saying, it's only what you want that makes sense. Let him have his way in thee. This is where only what you want makes sense. When it comes to the controlling issue, he says, yield. I give you, I give you the issue. You know the road. You know the way. You know the issues. And then in the connecting work, we discover church. This is one of the other things. I wish we had some time to talk about that. The real business of church. It is the spirit alone who connects the gifts. And he hasn't abandoned them. He controls these are given by this one and same spirit. David distributing to everyone severally just as he wills. And he provides them so that we can become mature in the faith. So that each gift can work on each person and equip us. The biggest challenge here in the process is discovering, but it is in the connecting that the discovery becomes possible. If we stand aside to find it, isolated by prayer and fasting, as good as it is outside of the body, we miss the point. It is in the body and in the searching together that we discover God. Because God has placed those gifts that aid in the discovery and in the Development of those gifts so that they can be applied to each of our lives. And as we
close, the confirmation comes. There is no greater miracle than the transformation of your life. There is no greater miracle than that God deigns to continue working in your imperfect vessel, your vessel of clay, to shine his glory forth. Don't look for other signs. Let the world see your life and conduct. Listen to him. He knows the way. God. Amen.